Welcome to Hillside Baptist Chapel's weekly Bible study. Please join Dr. Steve Wood every week where we can all collectively grasp a better understanding of God through His Word. This podcast will be published every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Contact information is as follows. Dr. Steve Wood, Pastor, phone or message at 6438-6541, email at Steve rwood002 at gmail.com. Prayer requests can be sent directly to hbcprayerlist2020 at gmail.com. Good evening, everyone. This is Regan McDaniel, a member of Hillside Baptist Chapel. It's my honor to bring you a podcast in the theme of the podcast will be on Thanksgiving, since Thanksgiving is coming up pretty quick. I'd like to go over the first Thanksgiving. The first Thanksgiving was a peaceful gathering of pilgrims and Native Americans, but it wasn't exactly peaceful. On the first day, Maserat showed up with 90 men. Many of them carried weapons Some say Maserat crashed the party because he was alarmed by celebratory gunfire at the pilgrims' camp. Uh, At any rate, it was a contentious time right off the bat there at the the first Thanksgiving. Since the armed Wamapongas outnumbered the pilgrims two to one, you can bet the feast was pretty awkward. The pilgrims were friendly with neighboring tribes. The pilgrims and the Wanapons weren't friends. They were wary allies. The pilgrims saw Native Americans as uncivilized savages, while the Native Americans saw the Europeans as short, weak, and smelly. Despite the antagonism, both groups needed each other to survive. The pilgrims were desperate to avoid starvation and aggression from hostile Native American tribes. The Wanapongs were desperate for guns. Some historians think the first Thanksgiving happened in late September or early October when the fall crops had just been harvested. If this is true, the first Thanksgiving would have resembled more of a harvest festival than a religious gathering. The pilgrims were saved from starvation that second winter by Squanto, a friendly Indian. This is partly true, but it's not like Squanto helped the pilgrims out of goodwill. Only half of the 102 pilgrims survived the first winter. They were so starved that they resorted to robbing the houses and graves of a deserted Indian village. Uh, Tisquantum, better known to us as Squanto, was from the Pawtucket tribe in modern-day Maine. In 1614, Squanto was kidnapped by English sailors and taken to Spain to be sold as a slave. He was rescued by local Catholic priests but fled to London. When Squanto returned to America, he discovered that his tribe had been decimated by disease, probably viral hepatitis brought on by the European settlers. 
During the search for tribe members, Quanto met Maserat, the leader of the Wanapogs tribe. Maserat took Squanto as his captive. Since the Wanapog had also been devastated by disease, Squanto tried to convince Maserat, who's the chief of the Wanapogs, to ally with the groups of English settlers that had arrived in Massachusetts. An alliance would help the Wanapogs fend off threat of Nazareti, an enemy tribe that had been that had not been devastated by disease. After the Purples suffered their first winter in 1620, Maserat decided to follow Squanto's advice. Using Squanto's help as a translator, Maserat signed a peace treaty with the Pilgrims. Squanto stayed with the English settlers to teach them how to fish, hunt, and cultivate corn, and to avoid captivity under Maserat. By the next fall, the Pilgrims hosted a giant feast to celebrate their first successful harvest. And harvest festivals were definitely not intended or invented by the pilgrims. Ancient Egyptians, Greeks, and Romans held celebratory festivals to honor their gods. Even Native American tribes observed Thanksgiving celebrations long before the pilgrims arrived. The pilgrims were really surprised when Squanto walked into their, their camp and spoke perfect English. They had never encountered an Indian who spoke the Queen's English as good as he did. So they were very surprised and he helped them tremendously to survive that second winter. He taught them how to fish, hunt, and plant corn, and how to survive the cold winters there. In 1637, English settlers, a group of Puritans, not pilgrims, raided the village of Pequot tribe. They burned 700 men, women, and children alive. John Winthrop, governor of the Puritan Massachusetts Bay Colony, proclaimed a day of thanksgiving to celebrate the return of the colonists who had carried out the massacre. And that was the first, the, the first thanksgiving but it was held under terrible pretenses. Then in 1789, George Washington proclaimed a day of thanksgiving to express gratitude for American independence and the successful ratification of the U.S. Constitution. In 1863, President Abraham Lincoln proclaimed thanksgiving a national holiday to heal a nation ravaged by the Civil War. Ever since, most Americans have associated Thanksgiving with a day of family, food, and gratitude, thanking God for our salvation, his mercy toward us, and all of his blessings bestowed upon us throughout the previous year. So this is the first Thanksgiving that we actually celebrate by the pilgrims, who was the first true Thanksgiving. Thank you all very much for listening, and you all have a good day. God bless you and thank you. Please stay tuned for a short weekly editorial with Face to Face with Dr. Fred. Good evening. I'm going to quote here Matthew 5, 17. Think not that I'm come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy but to fulfill. 
My identical twin brother, Frank, was called by God to preach the gospel immediately after he trusted the Lord Jesus Christ. He continues to preach even today. When we were in the sixth grade, Frank began to seriously prepare for his calling to preach the gospel. Every day at school, when we had what we called recess, I was playing softball workup at the school playground. Frank stayed inside the building reading the Word of God, starting in Genesis. When walking home, I would ask Frank what he read. It was exciting. The Word of God is exciting whether in the Old or New Testament. It is the words of God. On May 5th, 2014, just before Marlene and I came to Panama, I wrote in a book of remembrance. I have a book that years ago and so forth and so on, I began to put in every time I felt the Lord would speak to my heart as we would talk to somebody else. The name of this lady was Hades, H-A-D-I-S. And Hades is a food demonstrator at Sam's Club, a, and she's a Christian from Ethiopia. Each time I go to Sam's, and, and when she is working, we talk about our Lord Jesus Christ. This is what I've recorded. Almost every time I give her one of our church bulletins, she enjoys them. She says she will attend, but I never have been, I've never seen her there. One day after she had given to me a portion of the food she was serving, which is, which is her job, this time, however, she handed me a handwritten portion of the Word of God from Jeremiah 29, 11. What a blessed woman she is. It is always a pleasure when I see her, and we have a nice visit about Jesus Christ, our Savior. And on uh, two months later, I wrote down a nice Christian chat. But here is... I wish I could show it to you, but I'm going to read what that note she gave me. It says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for prosper and do not harm you. Uh, your plans, and, and it will not harm you, your plans to give you hope and future. Jeremiah 29:11, And that's in, of course, her broken English. And I want to read from King James Version the same scripture. Then shall you call upon me, and ye shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. And ye shall seek me and find me, when ye shall search for me with all your heart. Amen and amen. Now, also, what a promise God gives to us. God promises of hope, and that's what she did, what God did for this dear lady, Hades. And never, God never fails, and he never will. And you know the solid rock, that song, that gospel song, written by Edward Mote in 1850, 
Oh, what a what a blessed song that is. And it, I'll read the first verse and chorus of it. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is seeking sand. All other ground is seeking sand. Oh, yes. Even back in 1850, oh, they knew the Lord. Isn't that great? Praise God for 1850 and this song, and praise God for today. God bless you all. is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. Contact information is as follows. Dr. Steve Wood, Pastor, phone or message at 6438-6541, email at stevewood 2 at gmail.com. Prayer requests can be sent directly to hbcprayerlist2020 at gmail.com. This concludes HBC's weekly Bible study. Please join us every Wednesday for Bible study at 7 p.m. Thank you and God bless.